on Job, and today we'll uh, we'll go through uh, Job 26 and 28. It's gonna be a little bit different than uh, the normal. Am I not speaking about? Does it go? So it's gonna be a little bit different than normal because normally we must read everything, but three chapters is pretty long. So if you have your Bibles, so you can go to uh, chapter 26. And then you can kind of follow along. I'm not going to read everything, but I will try to synthesize what it is that's being said, and then bring some comments. I, the, I might as well just uh, throw it out there. The, there's going to be two main points today, and the first main point is one we've talked about a lot: is the Job's friends are not really super helpful. They are called uh, miserable, miserable, com- miserable comforters. Um, and so that would be the beginning, uh, where Job is uh, oh, oh, this uh, where Job is uh, responding to uh, Bildad, who had his uh, speech uh, there, there at twenty-five, and so that would be here in twenty-six, twenty-six, twenty-eight. Um, so Job responds back to him first, and then Job starts building out uh, another big question, which is. Uh, I think it was on the first slide, where, but where can wisdom be found? So that's actually the big thing that we're going to talk about today. Um, and then, yeah, and then, then we'll have a little more joke, and then the secret friend shows up, and a guy shows up, and we'll have the preview um, joke, and then we will move on into Acts in September. Um, so, but I'll first, first I'll read together from you, uh, the summing up of his friend's advice. Um, so he responds back to, to Bildad. How have you helped him who has no power? How have you saved the arm that has no strength? How have you counseled him who has no wisdom? And plentiful, pl- plentiful declared sound knowledge. How have you helped? How have you helped with those with whose help have you uttered words, and whose breath has come out of you? So Job's response to Bildad last week, uh, Bildad really couldn't respond to Job uh, even longer, so he goes a little more theological and says his guy is great and different things, and Job's like, so what you have given? You have given me no counsel. You come. You haven't given comfort to me. And then he says also now he says, like, how have you helped me that has no power? How has what you said helped? How have you strengthened that in my arm that are full of boils and skin that breaks open and worms that eat it? How have you strengthened those? Arms? How have you strengthened them? How have you counseled me? And you say I have no not wisdom. How have you counseled me? And made it plain for me. And then there's a number of words. It was four. this big theme. It's going back and forth together and uh, kind of a little bit punching back and forth where they say the one person is like, whatever you're saying is just wind. Um, here it's the same thing, like you have uttered words, but where have they come from? 
Job is clearly has saying, they have not come out of wisdom. They have not come from God. You make this stuff up yourself, and it's not helpful at all. I just wanted to share this slide with you where this commentator, he kind of sums it up and says that in 13.4, Job says, you are worthless physicians. You are miserable comforters. Um, and so it's kind of this sum, summing up. And I, I had the next few slides I had last week, but I just wanted to share it with you that he's uh, summing up, or the commentator is summing up the things that they do instead of comfort. And actually, even this week, uh, I was in a situation where um, someone came in, and, and I maybe, maybe as I'm telling this story, you might actually see yourself in this, and also as we've been going through Job, you might be seeing yourself in this story as well as in, uh, in Job. Because uh, a person comes in with a uh, Half of good intentions, but I'm on the sideline and I can hear the person, what the person is doing is making the situation worse and worse and worse. And making the person feel ashamed, feel condemned. I'm sure the person came in wanting to help, but because I was outside the conversation, I could see the person was just making it worse. We see it with Job and his family. With Job, his friends travel from far away. They come and sit with him. But when they open their mouths, things start going wrong. And we can see, we can see here they're summed up this way. They don't express in their speeches sympathy. They express sympathy when they just sat with him. But when they start opening their mouths, no sympathy comes out. They don't pray for him. They ignore Job's emotional and physical pain. They talked too much and did not seem to listen to, to the accurately to their advice. They became defensive. Defensive and argumentative, they belittled rather than encouraged Job, and they assumed they knew the cause of Job's problems. They stubbornly persisted in their views of Job's problem, even even when the ideas were contradicted by the facts. They suggested an inappropriate solution to his problems. And they blamed Job and condemned him for expressing grief and frustration. This is kind of summing up all the all of what none of us really want to do when somebody's in pain. Uh, I think I don't know. I guess in my in this culture, in my family, not everyone's a lot of are not believers, but a lot of people still they still jump in and want to counsel or want to give the, you know, good advice and, you know, sometimes people do that so fast that they don't even hear the problem. 
but just stop fixing something without hearing what it is. Um, and so I'm not saying people, I'm not saying you or me, we go in with the intentions of hurting people, uh, but being slow to speak and good to listen is probably something we can all learn. And we can remember it because somebody says we have two ears and only one mouth. So we can remember it's good to listen twice as much as it is to speak. Um, so that was kind of summing up his friends. As we looked over this list, I mean, there was also for you to maybe just consider it as well as reading it so slow. Are there things on the list that like kind of springs out to you? Those are some of the things that I know I do, that I know I don't want to do. Um, or just things just to be aware of. Um, that God might want to transform in you capacity to wait and hear the person and the situation and, uh, and still wait, pray for the person, show sympathy, and then if the Lord leaves, we can come with some words at some point, or maybe they don't need to be words at all. Because that's what we've seen in Job, that the most comfort they brought was when they were quiet and they sat with him. Then uh, chapter 26 uh, continues, and it's a, if you're sitting with your Bible, it's a long description about what God does, uh, how God um, uh, creates, uh, how he's ruling over creation. And there's this one, that, one verse I wanted to share with you, is this one. The commentators were all crazy on it. I didn't even see it the first time I read through. Um, uh, and it's in 26.7. And it says, He stretches out the north over the board, and he hangs the earth on nothing. So we, we have here in Job um, 26, there's some, some things about creation. And so the commentators are like, Oh, this is so awesome. Like it shows that the, it shows the earth is, is hung on nothing. It's created as a globe. But the scientists don't find that out until way, 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 way later. Uh, so, so that's a, just an added thing in the book of Job that we see some poetic images of how God has created the earth. But even also, this is actually true. The earth is not, I mean, it's not, it's not hung like something. It's suspended. Uh, in nothing. So I think I was just there. I think it was, just, uh, I think it was not just to say, hey, this is what the conversation is. I think for me it was a eye opening because it's good to read your Bible slowly and pray and also to think about, oh wow. It's good to read your Bible and see, like, not just uh, creation account, but actually also how other people talk about how creation is. What is like. 
So I thought that that was a good, a strong encouragement for me as well. Um, and then the rest of the 26, oh, I, did I draw my Bible The rest of the 26, as I remember, is a long description of uh, There's a long description of how God rules and how He creates, how He makes uh, boundaries uh, for life and borders. Uh, yeah, actually, it's a beautiful description, even of how things are created and how God is in control of all those things. And then, in, in a in the, then we go to 27. Uh, this is, we've heard this from Joe before, and he's gonna, now he's gonna really step on it, or like press, press his point, especially in uh, verse 6. And go, uh, and Job took up again his discord and says, As God lives, who has taken away my rights, the Almighty who has made my soul bitter. As long as, it, as my breath is in me and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips will not speak falsehood and my tongue will, will not utter deceit. Far be it for me to say that you're right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. I will hold fast my righteousness and will not let it go. My heart does not reproach me for any of my days. This is a strong rebuke to his friends who have tried to convince him that he is suffering because of his sins. This is a really him saying, okay, God has created this, this, and this, and this, and know what? I have done nothing wrong. This is what God has done to me. These things that are happening. He's taken away my right. He's made my soul bitter. You know what, but his spirit is still in my nose and I'm not going to speak falsely about God and I will not curse God, which is the whole point in the book. That the challenge that Satan comes with in chapter 1 and 2 is that if you just press your joke hard enough, he will curse God. He will not. And he says it again here. He will not do that. Although he's in a dire situation, in his bitter, and even uh, believing that God is behind all of us. You are not right, he says to his friends. You are not right. And I will hold on to my integrity, as he says to his wife. His wife says, and we talk about his wife sometimes, you know, we were too hard on his wife, but, but she also asks him to curse God and God. He says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hold on to my righteousness. And my heart does not reproach me for any of my days. And chapter 6, verse 6 is like, whoa. <laughs> That's pretty opposite what we're just talking about today. How often we fail and how often, often we really need the grace of God to help us. Even to be able to come to God. Job is certain that he has done nothing wrong and he has not uh, sinned. So he goes, uh, he goes on in, in 1 to 6 and says, 
like God knows behind all of these things. And I'm not going to deceive you guys. I'm not going to just speak, speak the truth. And I'm not getting punished because I sinned. And I, my heart does not reproach me. Because I am not guilty. Is it have you... You've all heard and seen how I serve God in my life. Oh. <laughs> I can choose myself. Uh, in verses uh, 7 through 23, he, uh, he goes on, kind of like a little bit of accusing his friends again, saying, like, you've, you've seen how I served and I lived God with God. You can't come up with better verse than, worse of advice. Uh, you're counted. You should be counted, he's saying, his friends, as the wicked and unrighteous. What hope is there when the godless cuts them off and when he takes away his life, will they run to God? So he's just explaining, instead of reading all 27, I'm just explaining you to you what's going on. Uh, Job continues to say, I'll teach you about God as I've done before. Uh, and then we, there's a lengthy description of what happens to the wicked. If they get many children, it's for the sword. If they, have a, and they will have lack of food, they will have lack of peace. They might collect a lot of money, but it will be handed out to others along with their possessions. And then I was just... I don't know. It just made some sense to me just think about the foolish, the foolish steward that Jesus talks about in a parable, uh, parable um, in Luke 12. He talks about, and it's about being greedy. And he says, like, uh, watch out for greediness. And a guy comes and says, settle, settle, uh, uh, tell my brother to settle, uh, settle back out. And Jesus says, like, no. And then he talks about a parable of the man, the rich man who has so much, he's going to tear down his barns and build them up. And then God comes to him in the night and says, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? All this is to say that if we're just collecting things just to collect, collect things, they have no purpose or nothing. And Jesus says, um, So it is. So it is with the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Um, so that's what he talks about. Uh, there are some controversies about these chapters. Who, who is speaking? Some people would try to fit in. Some people would try to fit in the speeches that are missing and say, is this, is this the words of uh, uh, so far instead? Uh, I'm just going to say, I have no idea. I think it's Joe, or else, I don't know. It just gets too complicated to, to uh, guess back and forth who is what. Uh, I fall in the line with the people are saying that Joe are now uh, pressing his point towards his friends, um, but he starts sounding a little bit like some of his friends here. Um, and, uh, and then in the end, um, the terrors will sweep the wicked away without pity. And he claps his hands and hisses, hisses after him. 
Again, we have this notion of hissing or a wind after. Then we come to the second day point where we use some time. And Job says in 28, 12, uh, tw uh, 28 is a Twenty-eight is this uh, beginning where it talks about all the things that people can do. They can mine for silver. They can mine for gold. You know, they can uh, go to the limits. This is a poetic description of mining, and the birds can't see it. The animals can't see it. Uh, and then it comes down to twelve, where it says, "But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding?" And then uh, different uh, things in creation, in, 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 um, in creation response back. The deep says it's not in me. Uh, uh, then you can't buy it for silver, gold, or onyx, or precious stones, or glass. Glass is very valuable. Um, and the, the price of wisdom is above uh, like very fancy pearls. And then uh, death and abandonment place of uh, the dead, they say, we've heard rumors about where wisdom is. Then in 23, uh, God understands the way of it, and he knows its place. And 28 and 27, he saw it, declared it, he established it, and searched it out, and he said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. Um, maybe that's not what you're going to find when you look on Google and says, "What is wisdom?" Because in my Google, my Google talks about uh, what is wisdom, philosophy, God, and then a lot about teeth or having teeth. Uh, because in this day, you can have many people say something is wisdom. Most of the time, when I yell at the TV, it's because I don't believe it's wisdom. Or uh, maybe that's something I have to think about. Uh, this is another definition of, uh, of wisdom, which I think is what the world thinks wisdom is. Uh, wisdom is a is a virtue that isn't an innate. That means you can't just have it. Um, it. You have to acquire it through experience. Anyone who's interested in trying to new things, reflecting on the process, has ability to gain wisdom. Uh, by learning as much as you can, analyzing your experience, and putting your knowledge to the test, you can become a wiser person. Well, maybe. Uh, at least in the eyes of the world, I think there's a bit of difference. I've used this, uh, this is, I, I take total credit for making it myself. Um, so if you have any subject, like you're studying, you start from somewhere, then you gather information. Here, like, people are you live in an information society, but that information is not the same as knowledge. Knowledge is applied information, just like that person was writing. Knowledge is when you understand how to use information. Uh, I was going to say knowledge can be turned into wisdom when you actually know how to apply knowledge. But I would say there's something different. I would say there's something called the wisdom of God. So we can have the wisdom of the world that's gained by knowledge, but what is wisdom? But that wisdom doesn't need to be the wisdom of God. So I'm just going to go so this is a different definition. Um, the quality of knowledge, discernment, and understanding characteristics of God himself 
True wisdom seen in the ministry of Jesus Christ is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Scripture affirms that true hu human wisdom is a gift from God and points, to the, points out the folly of trusting in mere human wisdom. So, in plain words, he's kind of saying what I'm saying here. It, it's not, wisdom of this world is not the same as wisdom of God. Because wisdom of God is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom came, which, when Job is saying, where can wisdom be found? He's not talking about how you grow potatoes. Like he's not, you know, he's not talking about how you do something different. He's asking about what is the wisdom behind all this. What he's asking God is, how do I find out how you run the whole world? That's what he's crying out to. Because that's his basic question. Because God, I don't understand what you're doing. Why am I suffering? I know, guys, that you are running this with wisdom, but I don't see, I don't see how you're doing it, so I ended up in this place. So the wisdom of God is believing and understanding that God runs everything, and that real true wisdom is found. Uh, we actually read this. <laughs> It's found here. Where is it found? Where do we always go? In the end. We always go to Jesus. Paul writes to the Colossians. And he writes about a mystery. That in Jesus Christ is all wisdom hidden. Is all knowledge and wisdom hidden. And so he writes, that their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance, understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How do we understand how God runs everything? How does He reveal that to us? He reveals us that to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. All Wisdom, all the treasures of wisdom, knowledge. Even more clear in the next verse here. Um, oh, ah, I forgot that one. Ah, see, had it, had it there. Da -da -da -da, something missing. Ding, ding, ding. The wisdom of God is Jesus Christ. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so we found. So Job is crying out, "Where can wisdom be found?" Not in his friends. No one's found in Jesus Christ. Uh, but maybe there will be some few objections if you say that to your teachers in school, probably, or also your friends. Because they might build their wisdom on what we talked about. They might Google a Wikipedia or something else. Um, but just, I think we've uh, established that that you can gain, gain, you can gain something called knowledge in this world, um, but there's a few is issues with that. And here, Job, uh, Job, here Paul takes on this discourse with two big groups, the Greeks and the Jews, and for them, they have a problem with with Jesus being wisdom. So let's read together. 
Where's the wise one? Where's the wise? Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in wisdom God, for in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. There's two big groups now. The Jews demand signs and the Greek seek wisdom. So you have these two big objections to Jesus being wisdom. But we preach Jesus crucified as a stumbling block for Jews and, and folly for Gentiles. But those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger. So guys, uh, Paul clearly lays out here that in whatever age, there will always be people who say, like, Jesus is not the wisdom of God. Job cried out for wisdom. We've seen it in the whole thing. He cries out for his redeemer. He cries out for the just, just judge. Now he's crying out for wisdom. God, how do you run this world? His hope was still in the redeemer that must have come. It's a weird question. We, we, we are beginning questions with the same. As we live in this world, where are we going to find wisdom? Who are we going to trust? If you're a little bit like me and you just yell at the TV or something when someone says something dumb, then it's like, but where are we getting more information? Where are we being encouraged? Um, because there will, also, there will always be people saying, just like here, you have the Greeks, they want a philosophical system. Uh, the Jews want science, and both of them have had plenty of both. Jews want science. Are you crazy? Whole Old Testament and Jesus' life and ministry was full of science. The Greeks, they want a philosophical wisdom. If you search out who Jesus is, it makes perfect sense. Both of those claims are done and they don't stand the test. Because if you really search for Jesus, you will find out that he is satisfied way more than you're being asked about. And so sometimes that happens to you guys as well. There will be people who have objections among many things. And many of them have no clue who Jesus is. They will object on all sorts of other bases but they probably never really tried to get to know who Jesus because they would have found that he is the wisdom and power of God. Just a little note on the thing. What is wisdom of this age compared to what God is? God used wisdom and made it foolish. He came to the people that knew they were blind and lost. They got found and they could see. The people that said they could see kept being blind and lost. 
Jesus, eternally worshipped with God, came in weakness. He came as a servant king, laying down his life so the strong became weak to save the blind and the lost. The ones that knew they needed a Savior. The ones like Job that was looking for the promised one. Those things are the same today. When people claim to have all sorts of wisdom, like the Pharisees claim, I am not blind, then they are the most blind. If we're looking forward to, or for us back forward to, the guy that came and fallen, because why would somebody that was strong become weak? problem we can have with God's wisdom is He doesn't do things the way we do. And therefore we would say, oh, but that's not, that's not the way to do it. Like when Jesus, He came, and when Paul, He gave His life to share this good news. There are many people that, that would just reject the message we have as well. They're probably not ready to do it. Maybe they are. They could also be from Australia, be from Romania, Iran, Korea, China, India, Denmark, America, Poland, Norway. They could be from all over and they might have all these objections. And might have settled on some form of worldly wisdom. The thing is, at that time, not everybody rejected it. Many Jews became believers, and many Greeks became believers. Many were glad to hear the truth, that, that the wisdom of God is Jesus. And that actually God loved the, us so much that He came in and sacrificed Himself to Jesus to seek us that was lost from Him. So it's great news if you need a savior, but Jesus is wisdom. If you don't need a savior, it's not really good news, and you probably would not want to listen. But for us, the wisdom of God is the power of Jesus Christ, is the greatest news ever. Why? That's why we're here, to celebrate. The power of God and the wisdom of God Jesus Christ. That he knew no sin, gave sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. That although we failed many times, we were blind, that we could have a Savior who came in humility to die on our cross to set us free to be with God. That is folly to many people <laughs> still in this world. Many people have rejected it. It's like, oh no, that's blood, I don't like blood. That's yeah. It's fallen when you don't understand how much we've fallen and how much we need to be forgiven. But we have a great God who His wisdom comes and provides that for us. I just wanted to, this, this, was, this was my purpose today. To just set you in this that the wisdom of God is, is Christ Jesus and the power of God. 
to send you in that and just encourage you in that as well. That you won't get discouraged when people don't listen or reject it. I speak to myself as well. Because the Holy Spirit has to do the work in people. We present and we ask God to help us with the Holy Spirit that people would, would, would respond. But He's going to do the work as we faithfully pray and ask Him to lead us. But let's rejoice in that we have actually the wisdom and the power of God living inside of us through Jesus Christ. As we give our lives to Him, repent and I come to Him. So we can't, like Job, say, I think Job now knows that Christ is the wisdom. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. And thank you for the kids downstairs. God, I even thank you just that I can be here. Uh, thank you for my uh, willingness to come pick me up. Thank you for everybody who's done, done so much so we can even meet here today. I pray you would continue to work in and through us, uh, blessing each person of us. And Holy Spirit, right now, you know exactly what people know, need to, to be encouraged. But I really pray that the things that you've prepared would not fall to the ground. But Lord, you would have great and good soil in us. That these words would multiply a hundredfold in each of us and how we understand who you are understand your wisdom. I decided to glorify you by bringing great praise and glory to you and bringing that good news to the people around us. We thank you for this time as that you continue to move in and through us. To your glorious name.